Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to the fight game with Demond Cotton. I am your host, Demond Cotton, alongside my fantastic, wonderful producer, Jared Justice. Hello. Hey, Jared, how you doing? Ah, and we are, <laughs> and we are live on twelve thirty. The game. You can follow the station at twelve thirty. The game. You can follow me on Twitter at Demond underscore the boss, and you can also follow Jared on Twitter at Jared Justice. And that's just us, not justice, as if you needed a lawyer. And you can call the show at 702-221-8982. And we've got a jam-packed show for you today. Going to recap a little bit of Double or Nothing. We've got Cambosis and Haney coming up this weekend in the world of boxing. And a few good minutes with Jared because people just cannot get enough of slapping people in the world of professional sports and entertainment. Slapping's become an epidemic this year. <laughs> but before we get into all that, let's welcome in our guest, the legendary... At least to me, yeah. because I love the guy so much. Sirius XM, you can catch him on Channel 156. You got him on Busted Open. You've got him on the MMA show. The guy knows his stuff when it comes to combat sports, and I'm talking about Ryan McKennell. Jerry, let's ring the bell. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Doman, long time, buddy. I appreciate the uh, kind intro there. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have known you for a little while, and uh, to see... Everything that has gone on with you and to see the fight game, I, I, I know that you've been putting a lot of work in. And, I mean, I obviously know how much you love not just combat sports, but the art of professional wrestling. So, buddy, it's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be on here with you. Oh, yes. I remember you were one of the, you were one of the people because you also used to work here in the building at Lotus. You were one of the only people from work to come to my first professional wrestling match at FSW. And I thought it was just one of the coolest things. I was just like, hey. Ryan, Ryan does a show with Mark Henry, the strongest man of the world, and he's coming to my first match here at FSW. It doesn't get any better than this. Oh, buddy, I was I was so happy for you. Like I, I had saw that we had had conversations, obviously, uh, about the business and sports in general, right? But I had seen the work you were putting in at the gym. I know how passionate you are about the business of professional wrestling. I could have not see uh, your first match, so I was I was I was happy to go there, and I love the the company that you were wrestling for i've been going to fsw future stars of wrestling shows for uh, about 10 years now so it was a uh, it was a nice synergy there i got to support my guy and support one of my favorite local wrestling organizations so uh it was uh, it was my pleasure man all right so let's get into this past weekend aw was in town so when the big promotions in town everybody eats from the smaller promotions fsw gcw <laughs> everybody gets that boost when the big promotion comes in town and fsw Excuse me. In AEW, we got to start with the story it might be of the year. We thought Sasha and Naomi was big, but AEW said, hold my beer. As MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, he didn't show up to a meet and greet. I talked to Harry Ruiz in the building. He was one of those people who paid for that meet and greet, was bummed out that he didn't get to see MJF. And then it goes into, hey, there's been a plane ticket bought. Is this, is this a work? Is it real? He's not going to be on the show. We really don't know. A lot of credible reporters like Sean Ross Sapp, they're saying that this is happening. Well, this might not happen. What did you think going in? Did you think it was a work or did you think this is a real-life shoot? Uh, well, I, Devon, I, I, <laughs> I, I knew it was a work. Uh, you know, I, I, I know people over at AEW 
Um, I obviously, you know, I have multiple sources over there. So, uh, but then again, you know, you, you, you bring up Sean Ross Sapp and some of the other reporters out there. I don't know who their sources were, right? Um, I'm not a business reporter. That's not my job. Uh, I'm just a radio host and, uh, you know, I just, I do what I do. Uh, as far as that particular story involving MJF, I think the lines have been blurred wonderfully. The fact that you're having me on and even asking me that, uh, I think is a good thing. I think older fans of professional wrestling, uh, veteran professional wrestling fans can point back to stories and, and storylines throughout the history of the business where lines have been blurred and you weren't really sure what you were watching. I, I think a Bret Hart, and Shawn Michaels in the 90s, uh, CM Punk a little bit later actually started here in Vegas with his infamous pipe bomb promo, promo in uh, 2011 that went out at the Thomas and Max. So there have been these moments throughout the business of professional wrestling where you don't know if exactly real a shoot, as you said, or if it was scripted or work, as they say, uh, in the business. Here's the thing. like The fact that so many informed, intelligent people were questioning what was real and what wasn't, I think is all you need to know with how successful this story is playing out. And then MJF went on uh, TV last night and cut an uh, amazing promo going after the head of AEW, uh, Tony Khan, also the son of Joan, uh, Jaguars owner, Shad Khan. So it, it, it's a really good spot to be in if you're AEW because people don't know what the truth is, and you can dangle that carrot, and you can play with that narrative in a multitude of ways. And, and Damon, as you know, we're just getting started with this storyline. So uh, the way they jumped off here in Vegas with, with Double or Nothing and the, the controversy and the attention and the headlines that that story is grabbing, it, it's a license to print money if you're Tony Khan and AEW. It's a, it's a really engaging sort of narrative that they're putting out here for us and, and demand like like we just talked about if you don't know where the truth lies that's when professional wrestling is done exactly but the one but the one moment for me because when he misses the the meet and greet it's like hey maybe he's unhappy he said it before maybe this is some real contract disputes we don't know is he going to show up on the show but then once it started getting reported a plane ticket has been purchased that's when i was like oh this is a work for me that was the <laughs> oh no way he's doing that and then he comes out double or nothing gets what 10 power bombs and then that's <laughs> the match but for that match, because I, I'll be honest, I didn't like the direction that Wardlow took last night, where it's just he's got a little bit of a feud now going. He's being sued by the Security Workers of America, if that's what the, um, the, uh, the, the you know, whatever Mark, smart Mark Sterling is suing against sure. him for. But I don't like that step down for Wardlow because, for me, maybe put him into the TNT title picture against Scorpio Sky. He's white meat babyface right now. He's on fire, and I don't think that smart Mark Sterling is the way to go. Well... You're right about him being a, a white meat baby face that's absolutely on fire. I, I, I completely agree with you on that. I will say this. I, I don't have a huge problem going after a quote-unquote lesser title because this is a wrestler, a talent, a character that they've taken slowly since the inception three years ago of All Elite Wrestling, and they've built to this moment right now. I, I don't really have a problem with them taking a, another year or a year and a half to build this and to tell this story and to take these uh, tentacles of, of, of the brain, sort of, if you will, right, and take it in a different direction. Because, Damon, there's so much talent in that locker room. And right now, if you were to have uh, a Wardlow go after their champion, the, the, the AEW champion, that would be CM Punk. And right now, CM Punk is a, a the other white meat baby face, right? 
And, and if you've got Wardlow going against Punk, um, I, I think it's just a little bit too early. I, I don't think the fans would know how to feel. Now, if you want to do with something with CM Punk, come on, right? And maybe CM Punk gets a little disgruntled and we see a little bit of evil come out in CM Punk and he takes that heel turn. Well, that could be intriguing because I think a, a super juiced up uh, babyface and Wardlow going after a villainous CM Punk is a great story that they can tell. Again, Demond, I think you just wait a year or a little bit more to uh, tell that story because it's there to be told, and it is going to be on fire when they do it. Again, we're talking to Ryan McKinnell, Sirius XM host on Fight Nation Channel 156. All right, CM Punk, you're talking about him. He did win that AEW World Championship at Double or Nothing over Adam Hangman Page. In a good match, you know, I, I saw you tweet out, like, hey, we're wrestling fans. We shouldn't complain about how long the show is. But I'm not going to lie, for me, by the time the main event got there, I was a little, I wanted it, let's go, let's go, let's see what these guys got. Do you, Are you in favor of longer wrestling shows? Because for me, after four hours, it's like, okay, what are we doing here, guys? Yeah, uh, in favor, I, I I wouldn't say, no. I think, I think that three hours for a pay-per-view, if you're watching from home, is about perfect. If you're going live and you catch the, some of the earlier stuff and some of the dark matches, I think four hours is solid. Uh, Tony Khan talked about at the little post-match uh, press conference why this show went over four hours, and it was because he was super aware of the NBA playoffs that were happening at the same time in that Game 7 uh, between the Heat and the Celtics. So he wanted to make sure he was getting the most eyes possible, so he added to the card to drag it out. So the, his two biggest matches or his three biggest matches came after the Game 7 concluded. So it was a little bit of, uh, uh, of pivoting on Tony Khan's part. I don't think that is going to be something going forward. Now, in terms of my enjoyment at the show, uh, yeah, and I can't speak for people watching at home, right? Like, uh, if I'm going to an event, and if I'm paying money, and if I'm going out there and wanting to see a, a tenfold event, which Double or Nothing has become for the city of Las Vegas and, and, and all elite wrestling, right? I don't have a problem if I'm there for five hours. Demond, you know this about me. It doesn't matter if it's Life is Beautiful or, or Day in Vegas or I was just out at that Friends and Lovers festival a few weeks ago. No so way. I, like, I'll, go to, I'll go to festivals for like 12 hours a day. But I so saw I people my age there at that inside. festival. Did you, did you dress you up? Say? I said there were people my age at that festival. Did you like do like an early 2000s get up? No, no, man. I went with the uh, outfit that wasn't going to kill me. I went with the loosest fitting, uh, most easily accessible to sunscreen. I went in a tank top and camel shorts and, uh, and sandals. But, bro, like, like I mean, so if, if I go to that for 12 hours outside in the middle of that MGM, you know, that, that, that festival grounds out there by Circus Circus, right, if I go out there for 12 hours outside asking me to go inside, right, at T-Mobile for five hours where there's concessions and air conditioning and drinks, yeah. I'm good. So for me, the five, the five hours really wasn't anything. I had a blast. And Demond, those those last three matches—the Anarchy in the Arena, the Tag World Tag Team Championship match, and the Page uh, Punk match—I've been to hundreds of events, hundreds of shows, hundreds of games, uh, hundreds of pro wrestling events, and I have never seen a crowd that hot in my life. So credit to that Vegas crowd because they were absolutely absolutely on fire from hours like like three and a half hours into the show to hour five. Those were probably the hottest parts of the show which is impressive. All right, we're going to get back to CM Punk, but I want to ask you about the Anarchy in the Arena match because I didn't know what to expect going in. I do think that the build was a little rushed, but, you know, we got BCC. We've got Ortana Santis and Eddie Kingston versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, and it's like you knew it was going to be good, but all the, let's say, blood and guts 
that were spilled in that match, it hooked me in, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, I mean, it was handled just about perfectly. Like, I can't speak to, again, what it was like watching live at home. I can only speak to what it was like on the floor and having, you know, uh, Cool Hand Ange and Brian Danielson, uh, you know, suplexing each other into the chairs by me in my row and Moxley and Jericho, each other with coolers and cans right by me. I mean, they did a really good job uh, spreading the chaos throughout the arena, so much so that I knew people that were up in the 200 level that got a taste and a view. This was a, essentially a 10-person match that just spilled out all across T-Mobile Arena. Watching the ushers, the poor ushers, they're usually <laughs> accustomed to the Summerlin crowd and the Vegas Golden Knights bros coming out. You know, that's a relatively calm <laughs> sort of uh, endeavor when you when you juxtapose it to what All Elite Wrestling brought to Vegas and T-Mobile uh, on Sunday night. I mean, that like literally, Demond, all hell broke loose, and you could see the chaos like in the faces of the people around you. There was ice everywhere. People were slipping. There was blood everywhere because the wrestlers were getting it in. It was so much fun, but but Demond, I like chaos and anarchy, so that one was really that was right in my wheelhouse. All right, when Eddie Kingston came down with the can of gasoline, did you think Chris Jericho was getting set on fire? Oh, I was hoping so. Come on, just do something historic, man. Wouldn't that have been great, right? First time anyone's been set on fire live in the middle of a match. No, I mean that's what's great though. Like Eddie Kingston's believability. And the deadness in his eyes, for those of you that may have missed it or don't know exactly what we're talking about, Eddie Kingston is as authentic as they come, laced up in his Timberlands, East Coasters, got his Yankee stuff on, uh, very much a no-frills wrestler. Think, you know, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk and just violence personified, right? And when he walked down that ramp with a the, with the can of gas, with that deadness in his eyes as he just kind of made a beeline for Chris Jericho. I, it sounds ridiculous as I'm describing it, right? But I, I promise you that just the fact that my, disbel- my belief was suspended, right, for five seconds, for ten seconds, that there was even an inkling of a possibility that is, yo, is, is anything really going to set Chris Jericho on fire? Like, you know it's not going to happen, but Eddie Kingston made you believe, if not for even a second, and that was just so awesome. Devon, he might be one of the hot. He not not might be. He is one of the hottest commodities, no pun intended, in all elite wrestling. I, I really hope he gets some serious shine over the next year or two. Oh yeah, especially like his his intro into the company, coming in on just like a Cody Rhodes Open Challenge to becoming a mainstay in right. the entire company. Like, I'm glad that he's getting his flowers as someone who's worked the independence for so long and is now in just such a primetime spot. Like, you just you can't help but root for the man. Yeah, and he's an authentic dude, right? Like, I love that you bring up his his pathway to success and, and landing in AEW. It's been like a 20-year window, right? But then there's the other part, like, he doesn't look like a pro wrestler, right? He looks like a dude chilling outside the bogey, the bodega that's, like, trying to shake you down for a Lucy and, like, a, a bottle of OE, right? Like, he's, <laughs> he's legitimately, he's legitimately authentic. And, that is, and that's why I kind of likened him to a, a Mick Foley at Cactus Jack. Like, he was very much, when he was coming up, he kind of represented the people. He was a little slovenly. He was a little bit overweight. He kind of tossed his body around to get attention. Uh, Eddie Kingston, I mean, you know, he'll toss his body around, but he gets his attention on a microphone. He is uh, he is as polarizing as they come. He's violent. He's, he's erratic. He's unpredictable. 
he's authentic, right? He brings they, 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 that's what's best about pro wrestling. Like pro wrestling is best when you just basically take yourself, which is I mean yourself, depending on who you are. Maybe I'm sitting at like an eight, you're sitting at like a seven, right? In terms of our energy level, we're pretty energetic guys, right? And then you just ramp it up to like an eleven or twelve. That's what Eddie Kingston does. He takes himself. The Eddie Kingston that you know, that you probably, if you, if you go out with him and go to Denny's after a show, not much different than the guy you see on television, <laughs> but that guy you see on television is ramped up to 11 or 12, and you just kind of, you kind of kick it into the next gear, and Eddie Kingston is great at that. All right, going to move on to the AEW Tag Team Championship match. We had Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express versus Team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Now, this was the match that I thought the title was going to change hands here, without a doubt, because Team Taz... I love those guys so much. Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, just the chemistry of those guys, the swag. And then you got Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. Hey, these are the big former WWE guys who you expect to be put in a primetime position as well. And Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, they've had those titles for a while. But I was so surprised. Like, once the once the referee counted three, I was like, no, that's it? That can't be the match. Were you surprised with the outcome? Uh, a little bit. But I, I will say I like the direction they're going because we're keep waiting on Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy to lose those titles, right? Like we, And that's no disrespect. It's just that AEW's tag team division is so ridiculously stacked. They have the best tag team wrestling in the world. And, and i got to be honest, I don't think it's particularly close. All due respect to the Usos over there in WWE, right? Um, in, in terms of the match itself and, and, and Jungle Express taking the straps, uh, retaining, it wasn't that big of a surprise to me again because I think you got to put some real value in this tag team. There's something that's super unique, and they're able to wrestle a pretty pretty entertaining match. I love the optics of the giant uh, dinosaur and luchasaurus. And then for those of the folks that don't know out there, Jungle Boy is Jack Perry, the son of the late Luke Perry from uh, 90210 fame. So uh, the, the kid, and I say kid, he's a man, but he is Jungle Boy. Uh, he's just coming into his own. He's a an absolute star in the making and as we talk about stars in the making uh for as happy as i was to to see jungle express hold those straps for a little bit longer you brought them up right powerhouse Hobbs and ricky Starks. i don't know if there are two wrestlers that i'm more high on in that entire company than those two men and they sit in the same tag team right and when we talk about it in mixed martial arts or boxing right the mom like styles make fights well styles also make tag teams right so when you look at Powerhouse Hobbs and you look at Ricky Starks, uh, a big man and a, and a medium main, to borrow Razor Ramon, uh, Scott Hall's uh, <laughs> quote there, right? Like, you got a medium main and you got a big main, and you put them together and they got that personality. You got the wrecking machine and the, and the fire. I, I just, I love so much what those two are about. I can't wait to see what the future has in store. When you talk about Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, Demon, uh, I, I, <laughs> when you look at the future, I think. They're going to be a long-reigning tag team champion uh, tandem when that time comes. I'm waiting for the Ricky Starks face turn because I think that kids – because <laughs> I'm speaking for myself. I would be – if I was like 10 years old, I would be face pose up a storm when he comes out. Oh, man, it's yeah. one of the – like, that's so money. It's like amazing. Oh, well, everything that he does. But now uh, to the AW Women's World Championship, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb, this match – it blew my expectations, not out of the water, but it was be better than I thought it was going to be. Thunder Rosa's her reign, like sometimes you see the people, oh, this is how much TV time she had. But when it comes to right. when it comes to getting in the ring, she delivered. Yeah, absolutely. And Serena Deeb, 
you know, goes back years in this business. One of the more technical wrestlers that is out there. She's a part of the Straight Edge Society with CM Punk back in their WWE days over a decade ago. Uh, to see her get that shine in a, in a title match like that against Thunder Rosa, who I think is one of the neatest, coolest uh, characters in all of professional wrestling, to see her uh, have that match on that stage. It was great. I love the chain wrestling and the technical prowess that was showed at the start of that match. Clearly, those ladies had a story in mind that they wanted to tell, and they really painted that picture well, especially to start the match. Here's a little nugget for you, Damon. I actually, uh, that match got cut short. Uh, between Thunder and Serena Deeb. So there was actually a couple more spots that they wanted to do, a little bit more of that story that they wanted to tell. But unfortunately, uh, they got their legs taken out a little bit from under them, and they were uh, they were cut a little bit short, which is unfortunate because, um, as you referenced too, right, the lead-up and the build to that match was a little short, right? I, I was hoping that they were going to get more time to tell their story inside the ring. But but to your to their credit, and as you pointed out, it was a great match, and they made a great match out of what they had to do, uh, out of the time they were given, I should say. And uh, I, uh, as, as Thunder Rosa is a, uh, a new colleague and a contemporary over on Busted Open, she's hosting on Fridays now for uh, an hour every single Friday. I've known Thunder Rosa for uh, quite some time, and it was nice to see her get that spot and get that shine, even with the time cut short, because, Damon, I think you'll agree with me. She is a uh, she's a special character in the business of professional wrestling. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Again, we're talking to Ryan McKinnell from Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel One Fifty Six. Just a couple more questions for you. Now, the main event, the AEW World Championship, Adam Hangman Page versus CM Punk. And this match here, some people, oh, CM Punk. He's some people would like to say, oh, he's not the best in the world anymore. He couldn't land perfectly on that buckshot lariat. But for me, huh. I like that I, because to me, it shows. Like I don't like my wrestling clean and neat and perfect. Like it's super choreographed. I like mistakes, and I like for CM Punk. This guy's over forty years old. I like that the old man is still trying to prove that he's still got it. So the reaction, the, the finish of the match, I expected CM Punk to win. But I loved every little bit that went into the match because, hey, that sloppiness that some people like to point at and say, hey, CM Punk's not the best in the world right now. No, he's working to get better, and that's what that championship says, as he said last night in his promo. So I loved it, but I also want to see where Hangman Page goes from after this as well. Maybe it could be the redemption story, or maybe he loses another big one and he goes back into the drunken depression storyline. Maybe they could bring that back. What do you think's next for Hangman Page? Hmm. Well, I, I will say this. You've got, I mean, he's your fourth uh, champion in AEW history. The shine has been put on him. He is a, a, a strong commodity in that locker room. And, and now he's got even more sort of fabric to weave into his narrative, right? Like the, the disappointment of Sunday night losing to an older veteran who came in and, and, and is collecting a very large paycheck. You know, there's a lot that you can do with that. You can go the disgruntled route. You can go the redemption route. I don't know which way they're going to go. If it was me, I would go the redemption route, and I would have CM Punk over the next few months turn heel. I think uh, I think Adam Page is an absolute uh, babyface in every sense of the word. It's, it's kind of difficult to pull off the cowboy gimmick, right, because it's kind of so steeped in our culture as Americans, like you got Cowboy Bob Orton, and then really after Cowboy Bob Orton, not a ton of people did the cowboy gimmick. He sort of he sort of had Bradshaw, uh, JBL in the '90s and the Millennium, right? Like he kind of did it, but it's it's a really sort of. And I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, right? It's kind of a hokey template, 
you don't really <laughs> get it all that often. Adam Page has made it his own, you know, with the cowboy expletive and all the sort of taglines he's got and the merch and the look. Um, and, and this is also a guy that, as we celebrate Pride, celebrate Pride Month here uh, for our LGBTQ friends, like Adam Page is a guy, former teacher down in Florida, right, who's went out and worn like rainbow attire and, and spoken to the uh, disenfranchised sort of groups out there. He, he really does seem like a man of the people. He really does seem like a complete white meat baby face. I just think there's there's too much positive energy around Cage to do anything other than to keep him right about where he's at, Demond, and that's towards the top of the card, uh, fighting the villains, if you will, in AEW. Cage is a, is a special, special character, and he's, he's still really, really young. I expect him to be a part of AEW for years to come. So I don't know exactly what the direct future has in store for Cage. I just know his future for him. All right, and also one thing that to add to the character that makes him so cool, the Tesla with horns. You forgot about that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so what do you think is next for CM Punk? Well, we already know what's little, what's already in store for his future a little bit, as after his match yeah. last night, the six-man tag, Tanahashi comes out from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I think that's going to be money. Forbidden Door, they're already building up the program. What do you think about CM Punk versus Tanahashi? Yeah, I mean, listen, Damon, for, for for fans, for guys like you and I, Tana, Tanahashi, the ace versus CM Punk is, is an absolute dream matchup. For those that don't know, Tanahashi, uh, yeah. basically like the Hulk Hogan of Japan, right? Like, it, over the last 20 years. Like, he is the babyface when you talk about Japanese wrestling. And he's had these great feuds with Okada and Naito and, and, and just... I mean, he is a staple, not just of Japan and, and, and wrestling over there, but a lot of people know him uh, stateside. So this truly is a dream matchup. And I, I listen, in terms of what the future has in store, I mean, I know Forbidden Door is June 26th going down in Chicago. That's going to be essentially AEW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. And we're going to get a lot of these crossover stories. Um, I'm 100% on board with it for for those that might not, or just like super domestic fans. I mean, this is like very much like DC versus Marvel, right? This is those those crossover sort of things that you wait for that you get to get excited about. Like, um, So, I, again, just the fact that it's happening has me endlessly curious. This is the first show, so I don't know what it is going to be for the future, but when you hear Tony Khan talk, when you, when you kind of, when you, when you get to the rumblings of it all and kind of, you can kind of see ahead that this isn't going to just be a one-off. I believe, DeMond, that this would have happened prior to COVID had, uh, you know, everything not happened and shut down the world for a year or more, right? Like, this is, I think, something that was planned before, and they're just getting back on the horse. And I would expect more of these to go uh, in the future. I would expect more crossover. And we've got uh, Ring of Honor laying in the wings, the other professional wrestling company that Tony Khan has purchased that is kind of uh, on a hiatus right now. I would expect that to be up and running before the year is over, and then you're going to have uh, even more sort of narratives to play with. Uh, Demond, it's a really good time to be a pro wrestling fan. All right, so you've been Uh-oh. covering combat sports for over a decade. You've seen a lot of matches, whether it be MMA or boxing or wrestling. What is the worst match you've ever seen, and why is it David Arquette? Are we talking? Okay, so hold on. So are we talking the worst match that I've ever seen in, in pro wrestling, or just like the worst match across combat sports? 
across yeah you have a, you have carte blanche across everything <laughs> all right well i'll tell you a story um i'm not going to name the uh i'm not going to name the organization but i will say it was when i was back home in indiana about 13 years ago i went to an amateur uh this was mixed martial arts i went to an amateur fight uh but it was it was high amateur like when you i'm not again i'm not going to name the promoter and i'm not going to name the organization but this organization did have ufc vets fight in it so it's not uh, it was in a really nice venue. It's not some like toe dunk uh, sort of hick operation, right? Although the story I'm going to tell is absolutely a toe dunk hick story. So I'm out there. I'm, I'm I'm cornering a buddy of mine. This is probably around 2007, 2008. I had already been in the fight game for a couple of years, and um, he wanted me to help him and just give him some advice and whatever. So I go out and do that, take care of business. He wins this fight, and then there's this main event. And it's between two local guys. They're probably in their mid twenties. And uh, I don't know how many folks out there remember Kao Uno BJ Penn, uh, but it was a quick fight in the UFC. And and I use that example because that is exactly what happened in this main event fight that I was at. The opponent, uh, the 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 one fighter went in and absolutely wrecked his opponent. I'm talking in like six seconds. Hit him so hard, pinned him against the cage. He did like a bunch of quick uppercuts absolutely demolished the poor guy, right? The guy could barely stand. Well, if anyone has ever been to local fights knows that there's a lot of friends and family in the crowd, and the friends and family of that guy who got beaten started a near riot. They started throwing beer in the cage. They started booing. Everyone started losing their mind, right? So much so that the promoter had to come in the cage to calm everybody down. So the promoter comes in the cage. He grabs a microphone, and he starts to... Calm everybody out. People, people, calm down, calm down. We're going to get kicked out. Everyone, you know, I can't do anything about the outcome of this fight. I can't, I can't restart the fight. The fight is over. Everybody boos. Everyone's still throwing trash, right? Then the promoter says, and I kid you not, he goes, but. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, you know, it's, like whatever's coming next is not going to be good. So the promoter says, but I can do the rematch. Right now, what? and at that point, and at that point, I, I mean, you, Demond, you know, you've been to enough fights. You're a fight fan, like my Jared. You too, man. My my stomach is is just in my toes. I can't How believe is, what I'm not hearing. This whole, no, it's not legal. You're absolutely right. It is highly <laughs> illegal. And I'm sitting there like thinking I'm in Bizarro World, and I'm not in Bizarro World. I'm just in Indiana, which you know, take the pick, right? So. So the promoter comes out and says, I can't do, I can't restart the fight, but I can give you the rematch right now. Would either one of you care to guess what happened in the rematch 10 <laughs> seconds later? The redemption story yeah. of the century, right? Yes. The it was the exact same picture that was painted. Old boy went out, starts that same guy that got his butt whipped just a few seconds earlier and absolutely disconnected him from consciousness. Like, I, I don't know, like, like if I, like, threw up my pen and paper and walked out the building. Like, I, I don't know what my reaction was. It was probably just utter sadness. Like, it was just, it was so ridiculous. But that's the, that's the business we operate in. Combat sports, pro wrestling, boxing, MMA, it doesn't matter. It is all ridiculous. And I love it. I love it, even the bad. Everything's pro wrestling. <laughs> Ryan McKinnell, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for your insight, but most importantly, thank you for that epic story. Can't wait to have you back on sometime. Thanks for coming on the fight game. Definitely, Damon, and uh, keep Jared in line, all right?
<laughs> I'll try. <laughs> all right, that was Ryan McGill oh, from Series XM, an expert in all of combat sports, as you can tell. And we'll be right back to talk a little boxing when we come back here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to The Fight Game. All right, and we are back here on The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. Once again, thanks to Ryan McKennell for coming on the show from SiriusXM. Used to be a member of the Lotus Broadcasting Team. Loved having him on. Loved that story to close out the show. Gotta love the great state of Indiana. But now we're going to focus our <laughs> this attention. Is so stupid. Oh. Okay, you got it. I just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I just. It, it, you and I were talking off the air, and it's like, that's a wrestling thing. You don't do that with actual, like, like you know, yes, obviously wrestling is, like, it takes a huge physical toll on your body, but that's a professional wrestling move to be like, I can't restart the match, but we can have a rematch right now. That's, that's, you can't do that with someone who just got pummeled. Yeah, imagine him doing it like a pro wrestling promoter as well, where the guy's just like, you know what, I, I wasn't ready, there was something in my eye, we got, he's like, and he's, you know what, ring the bell, get that referee back down here, we're going to start it all over again, yes, but now we're going to turn our attention to boxing as a highly anticipated fight that's going to be coming up this weekend, June 5th, in Australia, in Marvel Stadium. As we've got George Cambosis, the WBA super, the WBA super lightweight champion holder and WBO lightweight title holder as well, as George Cambosis is going to take on Devin Haney this weekend in Australia. Devin Haney from the Bay Area making that trek out to Australia without his father, who's going to be in his corner. They waited till the last minute. I heard him in an interview with Chris Mannix, and he said, hey, we tried to push the fight back, well, the flights back, as late as we could because his father, because of a prior felony in the 90s, is not able to make that trip over to Australia. And, hey, nothing we can, nothing that anyone can do about it. But I wonder how that is going to affect Devin Haney going to that fight. This is going to be his first fight without his father in his corner. And George Cambosis, he beat Teofimo Lopez. We know that he is now the guy, the unified title holder in the division. So what's that going to look like for Devin Haney? But one thing that I will say is Cambosis, he was the underdog going into that fight with Lopez. And yes, you win the big one, so now you are the man, you are the champ. But Devin Haney's been on the rise, been on the rise, and been on the rise. So just because you beat the champion in Cambosis, in his say, and for, for him, I don't think that that means that now he should be such a favorite over Haney. But the only thing that does work in his favor, of course, is the fact that the fight's in Australia. And I've seen multiple... Boxers tweet out actual boxers, blue check marks, good re good records, all of that good stuff, and they're saying, "Hey man, I hope those judges don't screw him over. I hope that he can get a fair shake fighting in his home country." And what does that say about the sport of professional boxing that you have other professional boxers there saying, "Hey, I just hope that they don't screw the kid over." Devin Haney, when I talked to him for an interview, he said that, "Hey, yeah, he's worried about it, but he tried to put that into the stipulation. Hey, he doesn't want any of the judges, the judges to be from Australia." You know, he wants, you know, at least one judge from America to be there. So those are some things that he's trying to work to put in his favor so that, hey, if it comes down to it, if the fight goes to a decision, that he won't get screwed on the scorecard. Jared, your face looks confused. What, oh, do, you, what do you have to say? What <laughs> is going on in Australia? I mean, I, I vaguely recall Australia having some, there were some fights where they 
they they made some interesting decisions. We'll put it that way, where everyone watching it thought one guy won, and the judges all concluded another guy won. But is there is there like a different standard? Is it easier to become a boxing judge in Australia? Like, what is? No, it's not so much that it's from Australia, but if you go into Australia or let's say Great Britain, or even if like if someone from another country came into America. Or it's just, hey, man, I'm going. But, you know, the, the outlook for people is he's going to Australia. He had to take the fight in Australia. That was a part of the contract. But it, let's say if you go into that fight, if you had something to do, if you anything that you compete in or whatever the case may be, hey, you got three Australian judges and you're fighting the guy in Australia who's from Australia. I mean, I, I guess, but I would hope that part of being I, I mean, I, I part of being a boxing judge is should, shouldn't you be neutral? Like, you shouldn't have a rooted, vested interest in whoever is in front of you, whatever pugilist is performing well, their Jared, trade. Well, you would think that, but this is boxing. We've seen it time and time before, as we see Triple G and Canelo as they sign on for, that, for their trilogy, and you know the first fight ends in a draw, and that's a fight where a lot of people, myself included, thought Triple G and Gennady Golovkin won that fight outright, and then, hey... Scorecards come up, and one judge has a totally different scorecard than the other two. As Canelo, I think, won eight rounds on one judge's card, and it wasn't it wasn't the the fight that everyone else was watching, where it was a lot more closer than one judge had on their scorecards. And you have to think, I don't know. It's that's just how boxing works. It's something that it's been in boxing since boxing became a sport. I don't know who's cooking the books. I don't know how it works, but it does happen, and the fighters are worried about it. That's why they always say, don't let it go to a decision. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, if you can, get the obviously, either get the knockout or the TKO, and that makes a lot more sense. But I, I, I don't – maybe I'm just some lily, like, I, like some, some – my naivety says that well, why would you become a boxing judge if you can't do it fairly? But obviously, we've seen multiple times that people in power tend to use their power <laughs> in whatever personal way that they want. All right, but also we've so Devin Haney, twenty-seven and zero, Cambosis Junior, twenty-three and twenty and zero. Excuse me. But I do think that Haney, I, I have him favored in this fight, not just because I talk to him and I want the streak of anybody who comes on the fight game to win their fight continue. How, how, yeah, the, how, how is that going? Like, we're, you're, you're, well, what's your personal record right now? It's It's got to uh, be like 5-0? and oh, No, 3-1, and one, Justin Gaethje, you know, great fight. Oh, uh, yeah. Great fight with um, Charles Oliveira in the UFC lightweight, you know, title picture there. Great fight, though. You know, he came out swinging, so can't say anything wrong about that. He put up a great effort. But, you know, hey, man. Three and De one. Yeah, Devin Haney. So, so we're going for four and one. That's pretty good. Exactly. But also, what I want to see more than, like, you know, this fight, the outcome, I really want to see who wins. But I also want to see who's going to be up next for whoever wins this fight. Who's going to be the next challenger? Because I think I'd like to see maybe Tank Davis. Maybe try to take this step up. We know he's got that WBA championship. But, hey, a lot of people are saying that's not a real championship. And we know he's going to be leaving Mayweather after. We just don't know what's going to happen in that lightweight division. But man, am I excited to see it! I, 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 the the lightweight division has been really. I don't know. To, to me, at the very least, it's been the lifeblood of what like boxing I watch for a very long time. 
I'm I am super excited to see. I don't know. Like I'm super excited to see where what what's happening next. When are we going to get the next like speed puncher? When are we going to get the next guy who just is like goes crazy in the first two rounds and just pummels people? Because that's what I used to love in the mid two thousands and two thousand tens was in the lightweight division the guys who just were like, all right, I got two rounds in me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's not. But uh, but after this fight, I want to see if Tank Davis, because you know he's leaving Mayweather promotions and he's coming off of that impressive knockout over Roly Romero, Vegas's finest. You know, turn Roly into a meme. You hate to see it. But Tank Davis, what's going to be next? I don't think Ryan Garcia, the Instagram star, wants to see any part of Tank, even though he's probably got five inches on him in height. So what's going to be next for Devin Haney or George Cambosas after this win? I would love to see Vasily Lomachenko. Maybe try to step his way back into title contention. You know, I know that he's over there fighting in the Ukraine. God bless him. Yeah. But I want to see him back in the ring because, for me, he was my pound-for-pound pound number one for so long. So the lightweight division in boxing, it is, it is spectacular. So many fights to make. So many fights that I would love to see. But first, we got to start with George Cambosas and Devin Haney this Saturday. And we'll be right back on the fight game with a few good minutes with Jared. I'm sure Jared's got something zany and wacky cooked up for us. Don't go anywhere. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game. And we are back here on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Demon underscore the boss at Jared Just Us. Now, Jared, let's get into a few good minutes with Jared. What you got for us today? Let's get it on. All right. So as you, you say, everything is fighting. Everything is uh, everything's a fight. What is going on with the fantasy football leagues in baseball where dudes are getting slapped? Like, you you text a guy like months ago, hey, next time I see you, I'm going to slap you. Well, that guy should be ready to get slapped. That's all. He, come on. Somebody texts you. If someone texts me, next time I see you, I'm going to get slapped. I'm going to be on guard the next time I'm around him. But, I mean... I just assumed that if I, if I get that text message, I would assume it's a joke because it's fantasy football. And I know that it's uh, $10,000 $10, would change my life right now. That's, that's the financial situation I'm in. But 10, 000, it's a $10,000 league to millionaires. Like, he's like, Tommy Pham's like, D don't mess with my money. And who's Dude. Tommy Pham, Jared? Tommy Pham is the guy who slapped Jock Peterson. And Jock Peterson, the uh, who's Jock Peterson play for now? Actually, the Giants, right? I have no idea to be yeah, honest Tom, with you. Yeah, Jock Peterson's on the Giants. Tommy Pham's on the Reds. I want to say that does yes, yes. So for this this Major League Baseball dispute that's going on about fantasy football, well, you want to know the real takeaway for this? Well, no, that's how boring baseball. That's how boring baseball has become to people. To where they're just like even the players, like because I've been I've been following this story. Mike Trout's the commissioner of this league. Mike Trout's one a generational talent. One of the best players of this century. And he's like, he's never been a bigger celebrity in all of his MVPs, all of his great seasons, chasing the Triple Crown. He's never been as more famous as when I saw reporters around him yesterday just asking, so tell us about the league. <laughs> like, we want to know about, we want to know about your fantasy football league. No one has ever actually said that. This is the first time in recorded history people are genuinely interested in someone else's fantasy football league. And it's all because one guy is like, 
I quit the league after five weeks. I was in second place. What? You quit the league? Yeah, he was cheating. How? What? He was stashing guys on the IR? Like, who are you people? Like, is this what you're thinking about while you're standing in the field? Like, huh, I got a lot of time on my hands. That guy really screwed me in fantasy football. Next time I see him, I'm going to slap him. Yes, I do believe it. That's exactly, that's what I said. You know, like baseball, there's a lot of standing around. You got a lot of time to think. You got a lot of time to uh, ponder, of, hey, man, what's my next move going to be? What am I doing after this? And then a three-game suspension, that's, that's, that's just taking a series off. Yeah, that's a, literally more time to stand around, but now you don't have to do it in a uniform. All I'm right. Sh- I'm sure players would welcome that. My next, so the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because I know you saw it, because I saw you tweet about it. You saw Top Gun, right? The oh, new, of course. The new Top Gun? Top Gun right. Maverick. Is it ruined by Miles Teller? No, not at all. Okay, because um, See, he... I know you're not that big of a fan of Miles Teller, but Glenn Powell, who they cast as a hangman in the movie, he's the new Iceman, he's the antagonist, he's the cocky pilot that, hey, I'm better than the Miles Teller character. He initially wanted the Miles Teller part. But Tom Cruise says, hey, man, we're going to get something else for you. Don't you worry. But I think uh, Glenn Powell, he would have been better in that role. I but just, Miles Teller was, was also good. I just, uh, Miles Teller is just one of those things. Like, he reminds me of Justin Long in the mid-2000s. Like, who is asking for this? None of us want this guy in our mo- <laughs> Like, we don't want to see him. He's not talented enough to be, like, a box office, like, draw. That movie made $100 million. Because Tom Cruise is in it, and Jennifer Connelly still looks amazing. That's why it made $100 million. Not because Miles Teller has like a wispy little mustache. Because he had to match gooses from the original. Because doesn't everybody, I'm going to pat in my facial hair after the way my father wore it? Come on. I actively do not. But you've seen my father. My father has a friggin' eyebrow below his nose. Great stash. It it's it, it is a solid. It's a solid mustache. But I, I get all right. So is it worth going to see, despite my just blood boiling hatred of Miles Teller? Oh, one thousand percent. Okay, because it was either that or the Bob's Burger movie, which I think would be more of just a like. Yeah, uh, your sensibilities. I think you'd have more fun at Bob's Burgers. Well, Bob's Burgers is like one of those shows that's like kind of like a weighted blanket. It's just nice. It's just a nice show. It's it's just nice. So that's why I, I mean, every once in a while I like to get excited. I like Tom Cruise. He's insane, but he's great. Is that all you got for us today, Jared? No, no. I love that you're, you're like, hey, we got a few good minutes for Jared. And you're just like, hey, man, let me get something off my chest. I cannot stand Miles Teller. <laughs> I cannot stand Miles Teller. Uh, people are slapping people over fantasy football leagues. And Bob's Burgers is a weighted blanket. These are these are important. These are important notes that people need to hear. My subpar opinion on is that is that is that. Hey man, right? that's why I give you the segment, bro. So okay. you can get whatever it is off of your chest. All right, before, and I'm sure that someone's gonna go. Someone's gonna listen and be like, "You're right. I don't like Miles Teller. Maybe." I okay. Yeah, tweet at me if you don't like Miles Teller. Tweet at me and say, "Jared, you're right." That's all you gotta say. That's all you gotta say. And before we get out of here, thank you, Jared, for a few good minutes with Jared. I'd also just like to give props to MLB, as today is the second Lou Gehrig Day 
across Major League Baseball. As Lou Gehrig, we all know the great Yankee player that was stricken with ALS, and he's, he's become so synonymous with the disease that it is called Lou Gehrig disease commonly. And this is a disease that takes away your body's control to function. Your body's attacking your motor neurons. Starts at the feet and works its way all the way up to you're essentially paralyzed and your body shuts down. So if you can do anything, remember the ice bucket challenge. People will try to raise a lot of money for ALS. It's something that's very near to me, very near and dear to me. I remember reading Tuesdays with Maury in high school, and I just thought that, wow, there's got to be something that we can do. So if you can go out and donate, do whatever you can, and, and not celebrate, but just try to help. Anyone that's suffering from ALS, donate whatever you can, and that's all I've got to say about that. Thank you for listening to today's edition of The Fight Game with Damon Cotton on 1230 The Game. Stay safe, everybody, and protect yourself at all times.